You're listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 19th of February, 2024. On Market Day, we'll speak with Elio D'Amato from Stockopedia. But first, we'll start with the Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, which saw half-year profit fall 5% to $268 million. I spoke with its CEO, Marnie Baker. Marnie, so the last time we chatted, you mentioned that Bendigo and Adelaide Bank was deliberately not going hard in competition in the mortgages space. How is that being reflected in, in today's result? Yeah, well, I think the last time that we spoke, uh, Ricardo, um, you know, it was quite intense, the mortgage uh, competition, which which hasn't uh, abated. And, you know, I think a lot of that sort of comes down to the fact that while uh, credit growth is subdued, um, you know, it, it's a smaller pie and you've got everyone going into the market at the same time. So that sort of uh, does um, increase uh, pressure. Um, look, it did have an impact um, through to our net interest margin um, and you saw that we our net interest margin was down 15 basis points. Half of that related to competition on, on, on both sides um, of the balance sheet um, and the other half, you know, related to a conscious decision that we made to pre-fund our term funding facility, which once that uh, is uh, paid back, uh, in May and June, then that's that sort of unwinds. But at least half of our margin is down to the competition. Can you update us on what the strategy is then? So if you're not going hard on competition in the mortgages space, does that mean that there are better deals for potential customers elsewhere? Uh, it's not that we're not going hard in the mortgages space. I think we uh, are being fairly tactical and making some conscious decisions just to where best to place, you know, our our shareholder funds. Um, and that's really in those markets where it's not as um, irrational, I suppose, that don't have the cashbacks that we can go direct to customers. So you see us growing in the likes of digital mortgages um, and you know, our digital settlements were at 16.3% for the, uh, for the half, uh, you know, up on, on the, the same half last year and the, and, and uh, the half just gone. So it's about actually really going into those channels where we think we can, we can grow. And so, you know, we just missed, we're pretty flat with residential, uh, mortgage growth. Um, but we do plan to get, uh, back more towards system. What is your plan on the digital side of the business, especially like your your up brand, for example? Yeah, well, um, it's been a, a terrific um, story, the up success story. We've now got 800,000 customers on that platform. Um, and, you know, we expect that that's actually going to hit a million uh, customers uh, sometime this year. Um, we've now... Uh, you know, initially started with just deposit products. We've now actually got mortgage or home loans also on there, and we've written $155 million in in home loans. 92 million of that was in the in the last half, and it's been really well received. Um, so we think we've got a, a you know a significant opportunity. We know that there's 70,000 up customers sitting there um, saving for a home uh, loan deposit at the moment, um, you know, and we're helping them through that journey and educating them about what it actually does take to get a home loan, uh, the credit process that's required, you know, et cetera. But we think there's significant upside when, and especially uh, the demographic of up in the 18 to 18 to 35-year-olds. 
Um, when you look at the economy and how the co- consumer is tracking given successive interest rate rises, to what extent are you optimistic uh, about the outlook? And on the, at, at the same time, what concerns you the most? Yeah, look, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I think rates, the official cash rate um, has probably peaked. Um, which means that, um, you know, at some stage in the future and probably won't be before the end of this year, you'll see rates sort of start to, to come down. The full impact of the rate rises hasn't quite sort of flown, you know, uh, gone all the way through yet. So there's a little bit more to do. Um, you know, albeit we're staying pretty close with our customers or with our borrowers to, um, to understand how they're feeling through that. We're not seeing it translate in our book. We've still got 81% of our borrowers who have financial buffers, 41% of them, you know, uh, repayments in advance um, uh, of at least a year. Um, so we, you know, it, it appears that things are going okay. A slight uptick in arrears in, in home loans, but we're still below the long-term trends. But, um, of course, we're, like I said, staying fairly close with our with our customers and we're just, you know, we're, we're looking at data and we're trying to, you know, pick where there may be stress points, but, um, um, you know, but that's not to say that there's not individuals who are, you know, finding it tough because cost of living is tough uh, those, out there. Those stress points, is it a particular customer that may be struggling more than another that you've identified? No, we're not finding any area, not geographically and not uh, from a demographic perspective either. Um, you know, nothing's sort of showing out at this point in time, but we... You know, we have stayed out of the, you know, um, we don't have as much high uh, debt-to-income ratio loans um, as, say, some other financial institutions may. Um, you know, we've been pretty uh, prudent and conservative, uh, you know, in the lending that we have done. So uh, at this point in time, we're not seeing any real stress points. That is the CEO of Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, Marnie Baker. Now to Cochlear, the hearing implant maker, which saw... Uh, a record interim dividend of $2 per share as it posted a 35% rise in half-year profit to $191 million. To talk about the future of the company, I spoke with its CEO, Dig Howard. Dig, first of all, a record dividend. Why? Uh, Ricardo, it's a, it's a direct result of the business going better. Uh, and why is the business going better is that awareness of cochlear implants uh, is increasing. And this has been our long-run strategy to raise awareness to get people the uh, hearing care they, they need to get the best outcomes for their life. Um, and we're seeing that uh, come through uh, in our sales, which is you know, very good for, for us and our shareholders and also even better for our customers who are getting their hearing. You said it's just awareness. As you mentioned, implant units up 14%. What else is driving sales? Yeah, so awareness is a big part of it. And and a big part of this is that um, hearing loss, people are aware of hearing loss, but they typically don't see it as an important medical condition to be treated. It's typically seen for older people as something that happens as you age, you just put up with it. There's more and more evidence now that, Um, indicates that if you have hearing loss and you don't treat it, your cognition could decline faster than if you do treat it, i.e. hearing potentially protects your brain as you age. And as people are becoming aware of that, they are more likely to take their hearing loss seriously or the people who care for them do and go and seek treatment. 
what what's cochlear's role in prevention of hearing loss what i've noticed on social media is there almost seems to be a coolness now in younger people wanting to protect their hearing there are new devices out there that are being marketed quite smartly in in a cool way to protect your hearing in different ways what's cochlear's role uh, it, look, we certainly support um, prevention of hearing loss. Uh, you know, that's the, the thing about hearing loss, like I was saying, is it's never been seen as all that important. Um, and it's actually one of the most prevalent medical conditions there are and one of the least treated. And a big part of any medical condition is prevention. So awareness of the causes of hearing loss, of not being exposed to loud noises for people of any age is critically important as is once someone has hearing loss, getting the most effective uh, treatment. So we support, we we want good hearing outcomes for people. We play a role in that, but we absolutely support uh, increased awareness that leads to prevention. You sound pretty upbeat on the future. You're seeing a significant, unmet and addressable clinical need for implants to continue. Can you tell me more about that and what you are seeing on the horizon? Yeah, so at the moment across the developed world, uh, fewer than 5% of people who would benefit from a cochlear implant get access, have one. Uh, and, and that's a sign of how low awareness is. And that's people with severe to profound hearing loss. Most of them now go and get a hearing aid in, in the developed world. But their hearing is, they, they've lost so much hearing that, a hearing that the hearing aid doesn't really benefit them. They get better hearing, but they don't really get speech. So that, uh, and what a cochlear implant does typically for those people is it helps them understand uh, speech and significantly improves their understanding of speech. So that's why um, there is this huge unmet clinical need. It's 95% of people who would benefit currently don't have one, and most of them are unaware that they, uh, they would benefit. And finally, I ask you every time, but it is a, an area where technology plays a big importance. What's the next big thing in hearing tech? Yeah, so, so we work, we spend 12% of our sales on R&D, uh, so that's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Our focus there is on a few things, but primarily how do we improve hearing outcomes for people? So people with a cochlear implant hear, hear much better than the alternative, but not as good as natural hearing. We want to try and close that gap, um, pass through our products, pass through clever software, and part of that is improving connectivity. So the seamless connection to your smartphone, to your TV, to your computer, uh, to be able to stream sound directly is an important part of what's available now and into the future. That's Dig Howard, the CEO of Cochlear. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. While it was a busy day for profit reporting season, it wasn't reflected on the ASX, which rose but only just 0.1%. For more, I spoke with Elio D'Amato from Stockopedia. Elio, what's driving the market today? Because the US is closed for a public holiday, but China's coming back after its Lunar New Year break. Yeah, it should be reports, but to be frank and honest, we're a little bit rudderless. Uh, the all-time highs in the USA two weeks ago is obviously still in, in, in investors' minds, notwithstanding that... Um, everyone's always worried when we get closer to the top. Uh, the Shanghai market has opened up strongly after being closed, but unfortunately the Hang Seng, which is where us Western countries get to participate, they're actually down for the day. With that one, they're actually being down 20% for the whole year. So hopes are that there will be a raft of Chinese stimulus that comes with this year of the dragon that will inevitably drive our markets. And we saw a big 
uh, positive move from materials uh, on the back of uh, a lot of good news, one being the stimulus and two being the possible change to royalties in regards to nickel producers, which, for example, for a, uh, a nickel company is quite large in WA, where about 5% of sales are actually taken as a royalty. So any changes there will have a big impact to the bottom line. Uh, profit reporting season kicks on. A lot of numbers out today. Which one did you see as the key ones and why? Yeah, look, this is important to us. DIY investors need to be on board during reporting season. I mean, look at Cochlear, for example, great sales result, great dividend result. But once you were able to really dig into the numbers and pull up the hood, we really got an understanding of where that business currently sits as a total entity. But I was really looking forward to seeing Westpac's result today. Uh, Not that they officially uh, released their result, but it was a quarterly update to coincide with the Commonwealth Bank, who announced that there is increased competition in the mortgage market and margins are starting to decrease. And it looks like Westpac basically copied and pasted that particular statement. And we saw that flow through to a lot of those financials businesses where the reality of increased competition is now starting to ring true. Uh, The fact that margins are coming back and then we had Bendigo further support that on the back of that and also put in its two cents about the ANZ Suncorp merger. Uh, In our view, it's pretty symptomatic of the fact that um, the Australian consumer remains healthy. Uh, therefore, as a result, so does competition. Um, what that actually means for our banks, well, we think they'll be fine because they're intimately linked to the strength of the Australian economy, which is still quite robust. But nonetheless, that was definitely of significant interest. Interesting to see Lendlease and uh, Blue Scope, uh, though, to be frank, they were pretty much as expected and as reported earlier, though I noticed Lendlease uh, fell quite a bit on the back of its results, and also Reliance Worldwide, also proving, as we kind of thought, that perhaps they're closer to the end of that bleeding process uh, than the start of it, and uh, some bargain hunters jumping in today. So what's reporting season saying about the way listed companies are dealing with rising costs at the moment and the economic slowdown? Yeah, well, I'm taking that the strength of the Australian consumer continues to remain quite robust, and those that bet against it do so at their own peril. But as you mentioned, the focus is very much on margins this reporting season as the cost of doing business has gone up, uh, to be frank, across the board, irrespective of what you do as a company. So no company really is immune to rising costs. I mean, it's part of the part of the course. You've got to pay to play. But if you can increase your revenues enough or in line or even above um, what those costs have been increasing, that definitely helps. So in our view, this reporting season is a bit too speed in the sense that uh, we feel the focus by investors should be on those companies that are able to pass on those costs and make increased revenue rather than the uh, alternative. Um, the big non-profit-related story today is Seven making a play for Borrell, p- uh, pitching mm. to buy the quarter stake in the company it doesn't already own. How significant is this? Yeah, the sense of inevitability, really. Look, the offer is around $6.05 if it gets to its full fruition, according to the company. It basically needs a little bit over 28% in order to take over the company in its entirety. Look, Borrell, other construction firms, they've thus far been able to pass on rising costs to their customers, with the exception of the US, where apparently the New housing market might be slowing a little bit, but in our view, uh, many of these companies still doing quite strong and successfully passing on those costs. And I suspect Seven wants a bit of that. Now, of course, the board has told investors not to do anything, 
but I think this is a very different beast than what it was back when the offer was initially made. And I think with just such a small portion and the strong run that Borrell share price has had in recent times, I think that this will be taken over. And that price action today, with the price actually rising above where the bid was, probably suggests that if we're not just there, we're pretty close. And I think the deal will get through. Finally, where do you see the opportunities for investors at the moment? Yeah, so going on a point I made earlier, we're breaking up the sectors into two very basic ideas of a price taker and a price maker. And obviously, price takers are very much on the nose, and we've seen that across the board, notwithstanding materials rise today and lithium having a rise recently, as well as uranium's boom. Those that are subjected to a market price where they don't have flexibility to support rising costs, we feel will be challenged in this current environment. And the profit upgrades and the very strong results that we've seen from those price makers, those that have been able to pass on those costs successfully to their clients, is very much where we're looking. So be it either IT, consumer cyclicals, um, consumer discretionary is very much under the government's radar at the moment. But again, they should uh, most likely do well. But as long as they've got flexibility on that revenue side, that's the main point. Um, like uh, stocks like a Grain Corp, for example, um, they're a bit challenged. They too did surprise today, but it didn't shoot the lights out. Um, so, yeah, if you could pass on those costs, we feel that's where you want to be in an inflationary environment and uh, hence look for those sectors. That's Elio DeManto there from Stockopedia. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Listener.